All right. Uh, who does keep that going? Who does not know this sound? Raise your hand if you've never heard this sound before. Some of you don't even know. Hey, raise your hand if you know the sound. Anybody know the sound? <clears throat> That's very cool. All right. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> that was awesome. We're giving out free CDs, 20 hours, 80 AOLs, after service, and you can get internet for 20 hours. We've come a long ways, haven't we, guys? Anybody ever own this thing, a day planner? Anybody, everybody own, own this? Anybody have this, you know, the really big, thick ones with a zipper that goes, anybody have one of those guys? I was so proud of mine. Mine was genuine leather. I'm just telling you, I was legit. Genuine leather. And uh, that's, that's, that's what we used to do. Or, or how about this? Anybody own, own this guy? Anybody remember this guy? You know, you were really important if you had like three of those. So, you know, if you had two of those, you were really important. Three, or you were really important. Or how about this? Do you guys remember these days when people used to work together in an office? Do you guys remember those days? Yeah, this is pre-COVID days right there. And we can talk about that. We're in this message series, The Gospel of John. I've been enjoying it so much, guys. Last week, I talked about grudges. If you know anyone who's carrying a grudge, Go to YouTube and check it out. Everybody deals with grudges. We all have to work through that. Um, today, the title of the message is, but we've always done it that way. Uh, we've always done it that way. Um, maybe you've said that before. We've always done it that way. I've always done it that way. This is the way I do it. This is the way I put the trash liner in the trash can. Don't tell me there's another way to do it. This is the way I do it. This is the way I put dishes in the, in the dishwasher. I put stems up and not down. Don't tell me to do it the other way around. Toilet paper goes over not under. Don't tell me there's another way to do it. You know, I can really freak a lot of you guys out right now because we love traditions. If I told everyone on this side of the worship center to get up and move all the way on this side, that would really rattle some of you. <laughs> some of you, you just like are used to sitting and you might be sitting somewhere where you're not used to sitting, but we like traditions and there's things that we do. And in, in Mark chapter seven, there's this story that Jesus, uh, that outlines the life of Jesus, and it involves tradition, and there's a bigger root problem in this story, and uh, I want to look at that, guys, together. Um, let's do this. Let's stand up, guys. Let's read verses 1 through 5. Um, you can just stand up in honor of the Word of God. It says this, One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. <laughs> they noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many, say many with me, many, many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked, asked him, asking Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Well, Lord Jesus, open our eyes. Give his eyes to see, and we give you permission right now to 
transform our hearts. Oh my goodness, if that's your desire, would you just say, God, change me? Oh, say, God, I give you permission. I give you permission to transform me from the inside out. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much, guys. Please be seated. Thank you. Welcome those of you who are online. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Such an honor. You know, this story starts off with, it sounds like it's innocent, like these Pharisees and teachers of religious law just happen to show up. It's kind of like, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to go to church just to check it out, or we're just going to do this to just to check it out. But you need to understand these Pharisees and teachers of religious law, they had other motives. Um, they had other motives. Um, scripture says that they noticed some things. And you just need to know they've already made up their minds about Jesus before they showed up. They already made up their minds about Jesus before they showed up. They evaluated him against uh, not, the, not the measure of, of God's word, but against their sacred traditions. And then talk about this whole hand-washing thing. And um, this hand-washing thing, I got this bucket up here to kind of help me with this illustration. But this hand-washing was really, really important. And they would wash their hands, like, not only before meals, but after meals also. If they went to the marketplace, they would, they would, they would uh, make sure they wash after the marketplace because there's Gentiles there and there's money there and there's other utensils there. And the whole idea is they need to be clean. And that goes all the way back in the old Testament teachings that you find in, in Leviticus and Exodus and this idea to be clean. And they were just really passionate about this idea of being spiritually clean. In fact, a, a really, really strict Jew would not only do it before, but even between courses of, of meals. And it was said that if you, if you ate bread and, and you didn't uh, wash your hands or you, you ate bread with dirty hands, it was as bad as waste in the sewer. It was horrible. That's how they viewed it. It was terrible. Uh, and in fact, one rabbi was once failed, who failed to perform the ritual washing, was excommunicated, kicked out of the community, no longer can go to church. They're out of the community. Another rabbi was imprisoned by the Romans and he used his ration of water, not for drinking, but he instead he used it to make sure he was ceremonially clean and did not drink the water that was given to him. And he's considered a hero by many of these Pharisees and said, oh, this is exactly what you need to do. So this tradition is a pretty big tradition and uh, they have scripture to support it. And this is, you know, so when they come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, why aren't your disciples washing their hands? I mean, there's some, there's some history behind this, and they, they, they throw in this word tradition, and I think we can have our own traditions in a lot of ways. Even that word tradition, it's a strong word. Sometimes it kind of trumps everything. I, I know someone that, that I would constantly invite and say, hey, why don't you come and hang out, or, or could you help out in the church, and we need this or that. And sometimes they would say something like, well, we're going to be with family tonight, and we're going to watch a movie, and we're going to eat pizza. We do this every Friday night. It's a tradition. So when they say that, you know what that means? This trumps everything else. It's a tradition. Why is it a tradition? Because I call it a tradition. That's why it's a tradition. It's just because I call it, I, I've labeled it tradition. And because I've labeled it tradition, it's more important than anything else. 
And we can do that on a personal level. We have traditions. We might not call them traditions, but there are certain ways that you do things. Certain You have routines. You have patterns. The way you get up in the morning, the, what you do at night when you go home. Maybe you go sit on this certain chair. Maybe you like to read. Maybe you watch you know, social media. I don't know. You have these certain things that you do. Holidays. What do you do for Christmas Eve? What do you do for, for uh, you know, Christmas Day? What do you do on Resurrection Day, Easter? Super Bowl. What do you do on the Super Bowl, Russell Wilson? Come on. And, and, you know, how we handle conflict, whatever it is. We have these patterns, and we may not call them traditions, but we hold on to these routines, don't we? We hold on to these patterns. And if, they're, if, if we feel like they're being uh, challenged, we might get uncomfortable, might get even upset. In the church world, we have traditions. You go to church, and, and maybe there's a tradition of there's a certain type of music that should be sung in church. And if it's not that kind of music, then it's not church. There's a certain way the pastor should be preaching, or he should be dressed. And if he's not dressed like that, then it's, he's not a real pastor. He's a pastor wannabe, I don't know. Or, or there's a certain order of the way services should go. There should be music, and then there should be, we should have communion every single week, or we should have the message then. And then we dismiss. And in fact, it's tradition that we need to be done with service by 30 minutes. And if we're not done out in 30 minutes, then it was not a good service. And we measure everything. We should do three songs, not five, and they should last three minutes each. And we have these traditions, all kinds of things. So I think the best spiritual traditions, best spiritual traditions have some kind of spiritual logic. Because if you think about these Pharisees, I mean, think about if you just kind of go back with me a little bit, um, their desire to be, to please God, I don't think that's bad, right? I think they want to please God, and they're trying to follow God's law, although it was a rabbinic law. It wasn't a mosaic law, but they're trying to be good people. They're trying to be righteous before God. So how do you argue with that? I mean, because overall, you might look at it from, you know, 30,000 feet and say, well, I don't understand why this is a problem. They have good hearts, and I don't understand why this is happening. Um, The Pharisees asked two questions. They said, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. So, like, every mom should appreciate this, this question, right? What are you doing? Have you washed your hands? Get up and go wash your hands. I didn't hear the sink going on in the bathroom. Go back in there. I don't see any soap suds. Go back in there, whatever it is. So, here's Jesus' reply. Here it is, verse 6. He says this. He says, you hypocrites. Wow. You hypocrites. You know what that word means in the... Uh, you know, let me get back to that word here in just a little bit. Um, it, it's, he says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Where he wrote, these people, oh, let's read this out loud, guys. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts. One more time, let's memorize it. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Like Jesus just summarized these Pharisees. They show up, and their question was about, like, hand-washing. I mean, that's what they're talking about. And Jesus sees right through it, and he says, you know what? You guys honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. This word hypocrite, in the original Greek language, it means this, one who judged from under the cover of a mask. 
It's um, someone who's wearing a mask and they will not let you see who they are on the inside. So they're giving you a picture of who they are on the outside and it's from behind the mask that they're being critical and they're judging. You catch that? It's from behind the mask they're being critical and they're judging. And they're saying, Jesus, who do you think your disciples are? Why aren't they washing their hands? And Jesus said, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. That's what he calls them. Here's the idea. It's this person who's an actor or someone who wears this mask. And the idea here is your image is more important than who you actually are. It's more important the way you carry yourself. Carry yourself like someone who's confident. Carry yourself like someone who has it together. Carry yourself like you have some pride. Carry yourself like you have it all together. Carry yourself like this. And it's more important. Your image is more important than who you are on the inside. The Pharisees spent a lot of time behind this mask. They perfected it. They perfected it. And they live like that. And it's like, I'm just going to live up to this image. And that's what it, that's what it is. And, and you know how it is. We surround ourselves with brands. We throw brands on all the time, don't we? Gucci or IZOD or Levi's or, or maybe it's the Android or the iPhone or, or, or a Tesla or a Toyota or whatever it is. We throw brands on because we try to identify with these brands. In fact, we might see a commercial of someone that has that brand and we like the way that person looks or we like their lifestyle and we're like, you know what? I can connect with that brand because I like that guy in cowboy boots and I, 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 I like the ranch thing. And I like the fact that he wears red wings. So I'm going to buy red wings because I like the ranch or whatever it is. We connect with these brands and we put them on. And it's really easy to put on brands and we can become really consumed with these things. But think about this. Why is it, why is it so easy for us to throw on brands and work on our outside? And it's way more difficult to let God work on the inside. Why is that? Why is that? Why is it that we're not attracted to working on the inside? I mean, think about this. If we, if we had a, a night, let's just say this Tuesday night, if you're stubborn and arrogant and prideful, come to church. Who's going to show up? Who's going to show up to that? If you have a habit of not controlling your tongue and you're incredibly sarcastic and judgmental, come to church. On, t- on Wednesday night. Nobody, we don't, those things don't sound attractive to us at all. It's really easy to put on a brand. T.D. Jake said it like this. Don't worry about whose name you wear when you're young. Worry about your name. God told Abraham, I will make your name great. See, when you let God have his way and he, you have a great name, every one of you has a great name and you say, God, I'm just going to let you have your way in my life. He will make your name great. That's what God does. It's way more work. It takes longer. And Jesus is challenging these guys and he's telling these Pharisees that they're wearing this mask. They're portraying to others that they're a certain type of person, but Jesus sees through them. He calls them a hypocrite and he says, you're not, you're not really that person. You're telling other people how to walk and how to live and how to be right with God. And you have all the answers and you know, all the scripture verses 
But on the inside, on the inside, you're totally different, totally different. Let me ask you this question. What does it mean to be fully committed to God? What does that mean to you? What does it mean to be fully committed to Jesus? What does that look like? The most dangerous Christians are those that are not transformed by the Spirit of God. Those are the most dangerous ones because you, you, you hear their words and you think, boy, I know you call yourself a Christian. You know, they can quote to you scripture verses and they can teach you about the Pentateuch and they can teach you about the 613 laws and they can talk about the Sermon on the Mount and, and they can talk about end times and, and they, they have so much pride in all of those things and you hear the words that come out of their mouth and you're like, I'm not, I don't understand. You call yourself a Christian and, and you don't want to be at church or you call yourself, a, you don't read your, you call yourself a Christian, gosh, but you don't ever give. You call yourself a Christian, but you're not serving anywhere. You call yourself a Christian, but I can see the lack of grace in your life. You're okay with holding a grudge and you call yourself a Christian? You're okay with not forgiving? And you call yourself a, a Christian? I don't understand. Well, you may have more in common with those Pharisees than you realize. Because when you see those types of Christians, you don't want to be with them. And I look at those Christians and I, you know what, honestly, when I was away from God for many days in my life and, and, and I, I, I just saw people that came out of church and I saw the way they lived and they just looked like hypocrites, I'll be honest with you. And I thought, well, I think I have something better to do on Sundays. If that's, if that's what a Christian looks like, someone who doesn't love and who is self-centered and who uses and tears down other people and has a bad temper and, and is hurtful to others. And if that's what a Christian is, I don't want your Jesus. I don't want your Jesus. There's nothing about your Jesus that is attractive to me. I do not want your Jesus. You can keep your Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Just being real. When I see that, it turns my stomach. And the truth is, guys, that's why I stayed away from church. I saw people who called themselves Christians, but they weren't transformed on the inside. And it was confusing. It didn't make any sense. These guys are religious leaders. And, uh, and Jesus is questioning them. He talks about this whole thing from the heart. I thought about this from the heart thing. I mean, do you, do you really believe that there is a God, like from your heart? Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that there was this man who was known as Jesus and he's the son of God? I mean, do you really believe he went to the cross and he existed about 2,000 years ago? I mean, in your heart of hearts, do you really believe that? I mean, do you really believe that, that, that he went to the cross for you? And, and do you believe that there's like a heaven? I mean, do you believe that, there's, that these words have life? I mean, from your heart, do you really believe it? From your heart. And Jesus is questioning their heart. 
He says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He said this again, verse six, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, what's the cheapest form of obedience? Lip service. Isn't it? Parents, how do you feel when you tell your kid to go clean the room and they say, yep, right on it. How do you feel? Kids, how do you feel when you ask your parents for something and they say, yep, I'll give it to you, and they never give it to you? The cheapest, cheapest form of obedience is lip service. It just comes out. It's easy to say, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll get back to you. Yeah, I'll follow up with you. Yeah, I'll text you this week. Yeah, I'll, I'll call you. Yeah, I'll do that. Sure, yeah, I'll go ahead and go to church. Yeah, sure, I'll go ahead. Yep, I'm here. Yep, I'll, yeah, I'll be there. The cheapest form of lip service is obedience. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are what? Are I did a study on this phrase, far from me. And here's what I discovered. It means a great way off at a distance, far so here's what this verse means. This verse is so unique. It, it, it's it, Come on up here, Jimmy. Jimmy's going to, uh, he chose to volunteer. Thank you so much. And let me just tell you this. Ladies, he's single. Well, I'm just going to say that. He's buff and he loves Jesus. All right? If you like Jimmy, just swipe right right now and you can have... <laughs> I love you, man. So Jimmy, incidentally, it's an amazing, amazing story right here, guys. God has transformed this young man's life, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. One day he's going to share the testimony, I believe it. So um, um, Jimmy, let's go ahead, and Jimmy's going to be Jesus. Here's what this verse means. They were a great way off there, a great distance. So Jimmy's Jesus, and, and I'm, I'm a person right over here. And here's what Jesus is, is, uh, is, is, uh, is telling them. Come on over here a little bit. Um, that's, that's enough. That's enough. Okay, you can walk over there a little bit. There you, <coughs> yeah, there you go. A little bit more. There you go. You can come on over here. Back over here. Now, 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 okay, that's enough. That's enough. Are we walking together? Why aren't we walking together? You know what this verse, they were, their hearts were, the, the main point, the core truth of this verse right here is this. They don't want to be close to Jesus. They choose not to be close. It's a willful decision. And Jesus is accusing these Pharisees, these religious leaders. He says, their hearts are far from me. They they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He's saying they they keep me, they keep away from me this this distance right here. And this is the way they are. They just stay away from Jesus and they keep a safe distance. They want to be distant. It's a decision that someone makes kind of like, you know what? I don't want to go to church. I just don't want to. I just don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to cry out to God. I don't want to pray. I don't want to obey God. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want that. I choose to keep my own life the way it is. I know there's things in my life that are not right, but you know what? It's my life and I'm going to keep it that way. I know I shouldn't lie, but I don't care. I'm just going to keep, I'm going to choose to keep this distance. You want to talk about Exodus? I can teach you a lesson about Exodus. You want to talk about the commandments of God? I can do, come on over here just a little bit. I can talk to you. That's enough. I can talk to you about James. I can talk to you about Bible stuff. I'm so good. I know the Bible so well. I know it so well. I can do that. I can, I can teach you. I will help you grow and become a better follower of Christ. That's what I'll do. I can do that. I can talk to you about church and how to, 
you choose to keep a distance. That's the power of this verse. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Give him a hand, guys. Isn't he good? Good looking guy. <clears throat> Their hearts are far from me. It's kind of like that relationship that you may have had. You ever had a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that? And, and they say, uh, I love you. And, you know, or, I really like you. And, you know, I'm with you. And then you're like, um, so why are you texting that other girl? I mean, why, why, are you, why are you doing that? Help me understand that. Why'd you go out with her? Why'd you spend an hour on the phone with her last night? If you say, why are you sleeping around with her? If you say, we're together, why are you doing that? Why, why aren't you committing? Or you have that friend that tells you right in your face that you're their friend and they're with you and they call you friend, but then you know they say horrible things behind your back and you're like, so why are you talking like that behind my back? You said I'm your friend. Why are you slandering me? Why are you talking about me? Why are you taking advantage of my kindness? Why are you taking advantage of how gracious I am? Why does this feel like a one-way relationship? Why don't you listen to me? Why are you always the one doing all the talking? Why don't you ever call me? I'm the one who's doing all the calling. I call you all the time. You never call me. What is this deal about a friend? Or you might say, I love my job. But you show up late. You take advantage of good bosses and kind bosses and you leave early and you're on the phone talking to family and friends during work hours all the time. And, and you're like, well, I love my job. See, we have this ability to say things, to say things, and we're really good at this. Let me say it like this. We're really good at saying things that only we can justify. We're really good at that. We're really good at saying things that only we can reason through. We're really good at that. I'm a good person. And we say things that just like, you know what? I don't, I don't understand why you said that because you're doing this. I don't know why you're calling yourself this because you're living like this. I don't know how you can be this or call yourself this. And because I see your life and I don't want anything to do with that, that Jesus that you have. <laughs> Verse seven, Jesus said their worship is a farce. Another version says their worship, their worship, they worship me in vain. You know what that means? Literally means fruitless, futile, empty, without results. And this is where they, they teach man-made ideas as commands, commands from God. They have this hypocritical life. <clears throat> your daily spiritual life and your worship life are the same. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is like calling them out because they're living behind this mask and they're doing all these things, but they really, they really aren't turning to God with all their hearts. They're really not embracing Jesus as the Messiah they have hard hearts and they don't want to have anything to do with it. And they're just trying to trap him. They made up their mind of who he is before they even showed up to church. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I see the way you guys are. I, don't, I see it. And the way you live your life makes your worship empty. If you want to have a great church experience, every single church service, here, here's, I'm going to give you some secret sauce right now. If you want to really have an encounter with God, every single weekend you go to church, here's what you need to do. On Monday, you need to cry out to him with all of your heart. 
and you need to let him have his way in your heart and spend some time reading God's word and just say, God, I just need you and walk with him throughout the day. And then, you know what? On Tuesday, you need to cry out to God and seek him with all of your heart and say, God, I just want more of you. Give me a word today, God. I just want, I want, to, I want to know you. On Wednesday, wake up and pray and fall on your knees and say, God, today I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. Be with me in my car. Give me someone to share my faith with God. I just want to know your presence. I want to, on Thursday, you need to do that again. Seek God with all of your heart and say, God, give me a word and spend time with him. And on Friday, you need to cry out to God with all of your heart and you need to say, God, I want your will. Prepare my heart. I want all of you. And on Saturday, you need to say, God, I want more of you, God. I'm not content with a little of you. I want a lot of you. I need you to change my heart. I see things in my heart that are not good, God. I need you to just clean out my heart. And on Sunday, you're going to be ready to worship. On Sunday, your heart's going to be at a different place. See, it's all about where your heart is at. It's really not about the preacher. It's really not about the music. It's really not about any of those things because you can be like, like, like Jimmy was with me. You can keep your distance from him. And then what happens is when you go to church, the, your worship is a farce. It's vain. It's empty because God looks at your life every day of the week. And he cares about you on the inside. In verse 8, Jesus said, For you ignore God's law and substitute, say substitute with me, substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep. Oh, wow. Say skillfully sidestep. I, I had this vision of just, you know, just, you know, doing that. Just, you know what I mean? Just, you know, just some grace. You know, skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. We can be guilty of that. Hear this. You will always be tempted to sub out God's commandment for something that requires less of you. That's, I'm dropping something good right there, guys. You will always be tempted to sub out God's commandment for something that requires less of you. It's like when I go to Papado's down south. I always talk about Papado's. I love the seafood. Anybody love seafood? Cajun seafood. I love Cajun seafood. And I get this crawfish etouffee. And they always want to give me these, these crawfish, fried crawfish. And I always ask them, can we sub this out for fried shrimp? And I feel like they say yes. And I always feel like I go from here to here. I mean, isn't that the goal of subbing something out just a little bit that you get a better, better deal for the same price. That's our, that's our human nature. Hey, can I sub this out and get this, but pay for the same price? If I could do that, I've scored, right? That's our negotiation. Uh, that's the way we work. It's working. You know, we, we want to sub something. We want to upgrade. That's what we want to do. And we'll sub out. Can we sub out the French fries for salmon? Can we do that? that, that if we can do that, that's great. That's what I want to do. But we sub things out all the time. And we sub things out in our relationship with God all the time. You know what, God, instead of asking him for forgiveness, I'm just going to smile at him. Can we sub that out? I don't really need to go and ask for forgiveness. I'll just send some sort of waves to him, let him know that I'm over it. I don't really want to go and talk to him. I want to sub this out, God. Let's sub it out and I'll just be, 
I'll just be kind and that'll be enough, God. You know what, God, in, instead of actually, you know, not committing that sexual sin that I know you don't want me to do, instead of me not committing that sexual sin, um, I want to just sub it out and anytime I do it, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Let's do that. I really don't want to stop it, but I promise I'll ask for forgiveness every time. Let's sub it out. Good? Are we good, God? Are we good? You know, you know what, God, instead of loving that person who hurt me, I want to just sub it out a little bit. I'm just going to, I'm going to unfriend them, but I do like them and I do love them, but I'll never talk to them again. Is that cool? We'll sub it out. Is that good? Instead of like actually giving up that thing that you want me to give up, let's just sub it out and I'll do less of it. You know, I love you, God. Let's just sub it out. You know, instead of me dying to myself, how about if we sub this out? I'm just going to get a really cool tattoo of my cross, just really cool. And I'll let everyone know that I'm a Christian. That's much easier for me than making a choice to die to myself. Let's sub it out. We do it all the time in our relationship with God, all the time. Instead of uninstalling that app, I know you want me to, un I know you want me to stop going to those videos. I'm, let's just sub it out. I just won't, I won't, I won't do it for a week. I won't do it for a month. I'll just look less. Let's just sub it out, God. See, Jesus is looking for radical obedience. Jesus is looking for someone who will give him all of their heart from the heart. That's why Jesus looked at the Pharisees. He says, you guys honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Your hearts are far from me. It's, it's cheap love. It's lip service. And we skillfully, skillfully sidestep God's law. See, God is looking for someone who won't sub out obedience. God is looking for someone who won't sub out faithfulness. We can minimize one thing and maximize another. We can customize our theology to fit our preferences. We do it all the time. You tell me what a good person looks like, and my guess is it's going to be catered to your personal wants and desires and wishes and life and calendar. That's what a good person looks like. Because we customize our theology because we have to live within ourselves, and we customize and, and we explain our theology, and, and Jesus looks at these guys and says, look, you just customize this stuff. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus gives this example to the guys. He kind of Helps them understand what's happening. He says, for instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your mother and father. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of a father or mother must be put to death. All parents just say, amen. Can you say that? He's <laughs> <laughs> quoting the fifth commandment. It's part of our 10 commandments. Exodus chapter 20 says, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. And incidentally, there's no age limit. You don't age out on this commandment. You need to honor your, your mother and your father as long as they have breath. And even after breath, honor them. Leviticus chapter 20 says, anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. Such a person is guilty of a capital offense. And verse 11, Jesus says, but you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. 
You hear what they're saying? Um, in this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among, what? Among many others. So Jesus was saying they nullified a commandment of God by declaring something as a gift from God. So they're saying, no, this money right here, it would go to help my parents, but this is a gift from God. So I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give it to God. So now it belongs to God. Um, the Hebrew word there is Corban. K-O-R-B-A-N. It means a gift to the Lord. And even the way they were so skillful about, remember, they were so skillful about doing this. You know, they're skillful about size. But what they said was, oh, this is a Corban. This is a gift to the Lord. And according to oral tradition of Jews, you could not take away the gift that has been declared to God. So do you see how what they were doing? So they're neglecting Exodus chapter 20. They're neglecting Leviticus. They're neglecting, you know, it, it matters to God how you treat your parents, how you honor them. And they're neglecting that by, by using another commandment and saying, no, 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 this is a gift from God. Here's the lesson here. Don't use a good thing to nullify a better thing. Don't do that. We can do the same thing. I've served God for many, many years I've served him. It's been, oh, he used me so much. And, and that's why I don't serve him today. Yeah, I know he needs me today, but you know what? He, I've served him so many years. I've served him for so many years. Oh, well, and I can talk to you about it. I used to be in ministry, but, but, and I've done so much, but, but you know what? And that's, I'm not in ministry anymore, and it's okay. God understands. Gotta, gotta, I, I'm just so busy with my children and they're such a gift from the Lord. And that's why I can't afford to, I, I don't have time to love on other kids. I'm just, no, it's just not me. It's just not me. My spouse is in ministry. So my ministry is to be at home. That's my ministry. You know, God has blessed me financially so much. He's been so good, but I just can't afford to honor him with a tithe. I just can't afford. You know what? God has blessed me with a boat and a cabin on the lake, and it's great, and I got some quads to play with, and he has blessed me with all this, and that's why I can't go to church, because it's family time. It's a tradition. I can't do that. Oh, I know God wants me to love my wife. I know he does. I know he does, but she knows I love her. I, I know one, one carnation every Valentine's is enough. It's okay. She knows it. She knows it. I don't need to do that. Oh, this is a great message for him. It's not really a great message for me because I'm pretty far along now and I know quite a bit already. This is a good sermon for someone else, but really it's not for me. We do it all the time. We're not that different at all. Don't use a good thing to nullify a better thing. Don't do that. Verse 14 says, then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. He said, all of you, you listen. So it's like he's going to take everyone to school right now. He said, he said, try to understand. He said, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. That means you spiritually unclean. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. What comes from your heart? And here's the battle of this whole thing that these Pharisees are talking about. The controversy is centered on which commandment is more important, honoring parents or keeping vows. 
like washing hands or being with Jesus. And that's what they're, that's what they're debating. What's happening here? What is this about? And if you look at your Bibles, this is so cool. Maybe you never noticed this. But if you look at your Bibles, and, and if you have a New Living or a New International Version, do you have it? Do you have it? Can you open Anybody have their Bible app? Anybody? We're looking at it right now. Anybody looking at it? I want to, I want to read. You have it. What version do you have there, brother? New King James. Okay, New King James. Would you go ahead and read verse 16? If anyone has ears, let him hear. All right, it's good. Anybody else have another version? Any another version? Shout out if you have another version. What version? NIV. Read verse, read verse 16. Read verse 16. Verse 16. Oh, verse 16. Yeah, verse 16. Do you see verse 16? It's not in there, is it? Yeah, it's not in there. The number, uh, yeah, yeah, you can see in your in Bibles, in New Living, New International, verse 16 is not there. And the reason why it's not there is because it wasn't in the original manuscript. And it was added later. It was added later. That's why the New King James, and you read it in the NASB also, it says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. But it's in brackets. It was not in there. So if you, if you read through that and you're like, you just jump from verse 15 to 17, if you see that. You're learning Bible today, you guys. We're going to church. Verse 17. Thank you guys for participating with that. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And all the carnivores, all the hunters said, what, amen. <laughs> then, then he added, carnivores, carnivores, that's what I was trying to say. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from, from where? From, say it out, within, say within me. For from what? Out of a person's what? Come evil thoughts. Here's some examples. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. I, I look at this and, and, and you see these guys and they take so much pride in doing this. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you're doing all this, but you're missing it. You honor me with your lips. Is that right? You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are what? Are far from me. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And your worship is a farce. It's vain. You honor me with your lips. But your hearts are far from me. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to let him change you from the inside out. He wants to do a work inside of you. And he's not done. He's not done. You know what? You need just as much work 
as that addict on the streets. You need just as much work as that pastor on the platform. All of us need the work of God in our hearts. See, Jesus is looking for someone who will passionately say, I want to walk with you. Come on up here again, Jimmy. I need to use it one more time. And I, I need, feel like I need to close this because I don't feel like we, our relationship is good. You know what I mean? Because we like, like so, so here's what Jesus wants. He wants this kind of relationship right here. This kind of relationship. Let's walk like this together. Let's, let's walk like this together. Love you. Uh, let's walk like this together. And he just wants it. This is the kind of relationship he wants to have. And the Pharisees, thank you so much, brother, for coming up again. The Pharisees, they, they, they just didn't get that. They chose to keep a distance. What does your relationship with Jesus look like right now? What is your relationship with Jesus? Are you more concerned about managing that image? <clears throat> for those of you who call yourself a Christian, let me ask you this way. Do people want your Jesus? <laughs> for, some, for some Christians, I look at them and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with their Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Anybody with me? Those are, those, are, those are the ones who are the hypocrites. You look at them and you're like, you know what? You go ahead and go to church. I'll just watch the Broncos on Sunday. You go, I got better things to do. If you're the byproduct, if you're the effect, if you're the fruit of that church, I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to do that. And I want to just challenge you. I want to just challenge you. What does your commitment to God look like? Do you really believe in your heart that he loves you? Do you really believe in your heart that he wants you? Do you really believe in your heart that God has a purpose for you? He does. And he's not done with you. He's such a loving God. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world so that you can experience the forgiveness of sins, so you could experience life, heaven on earth, and you could know his grace and his mercy, and you can be a Christian, and you can walk with him, and he wants to walk with you every single day. Do you really know who Jesus is? Well, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy, and God, I've done my best to help, help unpack this beautiful chapter here in Mark, and and I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I've sensed your Holy Spirit as I've been up here preaching. Would you just continue to move in hearts, move in those hearts of those who are watching online right now and those who are in the house right now. And if you're ready to start a new relationship with Jesus, would you say this? Say, Jesus, right now I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I choose to follow you and I choose to become a Christian. I repent of those sins right now. Others of you, maybe you need to say this. God, have mercy on me. I've been honoring you with my lips, but my heart has been far from you. Truth is, there's some work you need to do on the inside of me. And I've been maintaining this image. But right now, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to renovate my heart. Do something on the inside. Give me a new love, a new desire to be with you, a new craving for your word, a new surrender that I've never experienced before, a new humility. Give me a teachable spirit. Open up my eyes. Show me what you see. Oh, wow. Maybe you need to say that. Show me what you see. 
And I'm not going to sub out your commandment anymore. I'm not going to sub out full obedience anymore. I'm not going to sub anything out, God. I'm not going to reason anymore, God. It's different now. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.